What is up, consumies? This is Jamie Lewis, host of the Consumed Podcast, where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers sit at my creaky kitchen table and talk about life and flavor with me. You're at the table too. Thanks for joining us. Before I introduce today's guest, here's a little bit about sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com. Promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, on to the episode. Ariella Gottschalk and Jeff Pinack own Halcyon Farms in Arroyo Grande, California, but you might know that farm better as Rutis Farms. In early 2022, Ariella and Jeff bought the farm from longtime Central Coast farmer Jerry Rutiz, who presented the offer to them specifically. 
Ariella has lots of history managing the farming operation at Growing Grounds in Santa Maria. It's a farm that employs and benefits developmentally disabled clients, so it's no great surprise that Jerry wanted her to take over. We talked about stewardship of land and ocean, how Halcyon Farms continues the Ruti's legacy of community, and about how Ariella and Jeff met thanks to Fry's Electronics and Beef Jerky. Also, it was a busy day at the Lewis home. While I recorded, Ariella got a call from her foreman at the farm, my kitchen timer went off because I needed to remove pumpkin seeds from the oven, and a delivery person showed up with flowers from my husband, which nearly made me cry. So, anyway... There are a few hiccups in here. Hopefully they don't distract too terribly much. All right. Here's Ariella Gottschalk and Jeff Pinack. So you have taken over what was, okay, I always called it Rutis, but it's Rutis, isn't it? That's how Jerry well, says it. He actually learned that his name is actually pronounced Rutis once his daughters learned Spanish. Yeah. And they came back and they said, no, dad, it's Rutis, not Rutis. That's always what I said, but then... I, whenever I would write a check at the stand, mm-hmm. they would say, make it out to Ruta's family, or yeah. Jerry Ruta's. Because like, that's how he said it, yeah. Okay. But you took over what was yeah. their property on the pike in Grover Beach. Correct. Or AG. Correct. Okay. So what made you decide to take that leap and buy that farm? Well, it was a long work in progress. Um, So I have known Jerry for the whole time that he's been farming there, uh, which is about 20 years. Mm. And so when he took over, um, we lived right on the, in the house, right above the field. We were living right there. We don't, not lived. We live there still. still. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Overlooking. So we're, we're right on the farm. Yes. And so there was a whole process for how he took over. There was um, a group called Neighbors at Risk that had Mm. gotten together because the fields were all commercial strawberries Mm. and, uh, you know, pesticides, spraying on a regular basis. Um, People were getting sick. It had been going on for 30 plus years. Oh, how sad. I had no idea. Let's step back for a second because it's the people's temple of Halcyon's land. No. Jerry doesn't own the land. Right. Jerry Whoa. did not own the land. Jerry leased from the peop- from the temple of the people. Oh my gosh. And we actually caretake a strip of land and have since 2001, uh-huh. right up when we moved in there, Okay. right above. So yes. it was our job to basically improve and caretake that probably 30-yard or to 50-yard strip. Okay, on like the southwest between, side or something? Between our little postage stamp. Oh, and, and, and the field. And the farm, yeah, which so is 30 acres. Field. Okay, so it's up on the hill. Mm-hmm. We're up on the hill. Yeah. Um, the, people's, uh, the People's Temple of Halcyon, am I saying that right? Is that how uh, they say it? I think it? it's the Temple of the People. Temple of the People, oh, okay. correct. That's right. So yeah. that, he was only ever leasing that? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the story of how Jerry took over, just really quickly, Please. because this is part of the story, is and that important. Jerry's been mm-hmm. a farmer, you know, obviously since the early 80s. He started farming, I think, in 1981. Cal Poly grad. Cal Poly grad, mm. been around forever. He um, really made his mark as a farmer by going to the Santa Monica Farmer's yes. Market and getting in with all the restaurants back in the day. Mm-hmm. His face was on buses in Santa Monica, you know, like, it know was. your farmer. Oh, yeah. The Carrot King. Yeah, he was the <gasps> Carrot King of Santa oh, Monica. Shoot. yeah. And he farmed for many years out towards Wasna, 
and you know things were going fine and when the temple of the people decided that they didn't want the commercial strawberries there due to all the neighbors around saying hey we don't want this anymore mm -hmm. we're getting sick and um so they went out and they sp they basically put out a call for farmers hmm. and somebody approached jerry at the farmer's market i think here in san luis obispo and said you know there's this 30 acre parcel that's available and would you be interested in farming there and he's like oh yeah maybe you know it was kind of like a maybe thing mm -hmm. long story short he ended up becoming the farmer yeah. but we're not going to make the long property. story short we don't we're going to put a few more details make into the long. story Do it. because um the neighbors at risk that was formed with the the um uh, with uh, the group basically on grell lane our little road mm -hmm. and then um the co-housing mm -hmm. tierra nueva right yeah. there mm -hmm. um, we were all right above that field and we would see the pesticide that were being sprayed mm -hmm. on that field. And our neighbor, our next door neighbor, uh, the Kemptons, were getting sick from those pesticides. Mm. And they were one of the uh, huge um, drivers of the neighbors at risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually, there actually was a survey done mm -hmm. in the surrounding, I want to say, mile around mm -hmm. the farm where we. Folks went out and went door to door asking. and had asking questions yeah. about um, miscarriages and cancer, oh. and and we there was a lot of data that mm. was, you know, discovered higher than right, the normal. Yeah, you might assume, and it was that was true. Mm. So the 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 temple. And Eleanor Shumway, who is the guardian in chief of the temple, mm -hmm. um, currently, um, she was able to really see this story that was presented by the neighbors at risk, mm -hmm. and that was how she got to the point of saying, "Wow, you know, this pesticide way of farming with the strawberries is not really." optimum yeah well and good for her for recognizing that because yeah. i'm sure the commercial strawberry folks were paying i'm i would assume they were paying quite a bit to to use that we, we don't know okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're not privy to that information mm -hmm. but um, we're so glad that jerry yeah. got invited to that and mm -hmm. yeah and jerry of course tells the story that he did it kind of like unwillingly because he says oh tell that story that he was <laughs> he went to a meeting with Eleanor and the people from the temple and he walked into their meeting and they all stood up and gave him a standing ovation. They said, welcome oh. to our new farmer. And he actually had been intending to go and just say, you know, it's probably oh, not going to work for premature. me. I'm pretty much fine the way I am. I have the land I need. But, but he, he then said, okay, well, I'm going to take it on. Oh, and, pressure. um, oh, pressure. it actually hurt. turned into a really good thing for him because after you know, 15 years of being there at that property in Arroyo Grande, he was able to stop going to Santa Monica because right. he was able to build up the business mm -hmm. within his local community and um, be the farmer for, you know, thousands of families yes. in the surrounding areas. 
um, and not have to drive to Santa Monica Incredible. every, you know, getting up at two o'clock in the morning every mm-hmm. Wednesday to get down there and be there all day and get home after dark. And yeah. he did that for so many years. Which was great for, you know, it, it put him on the map, but then, yeah. you know, as you get older, you don't want to be doing that Well, drive. it's not sustainable. No, no. You know, and it's, and I think his philosophy, you know, which I think we share is that we want local food to be local mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily local if you're driving four hours to go to Fair, Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously they need fresh food there too. Um, but there's plenty of people who need it here yeah. and let's provide that food for our local families yeah. and our local community. And open a space for another farmer down there to Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, uh, Jerry had to, um, morph the, um, that whole way of living by going to Santa Monica farmer's market and make selling that way because obviously there has to be an income and you Mm -hmm. have to so he had to you know kind of move he had to pivot and pivot to and and then transform the farm stand into what it has become yes yeah because when he first opened that farm stand it was two hay bales right (laughs) with some lettuce and onions and whatever oh gosh. when did he open the farm stand like 2006 so seven? he i think he started farming there 2003 yeah it was two or three yeah 2003 or three maybe 2002 and i think pretty quickly he you know um just thought oh well i'm here and mm-hmm. there's people driving by so you know we'll go ahead and set out a few things on right on the pike Yes. Um, on some hay bales or whatever he had, one of mm-hmm. little tables or something. And I think it just expanded from there. Yeah. It just is one of those things where, oh, did you know that there's fresh veggies available at this place? You know, yeah. and the pike, of course, is a very visible road. Yeah, so you see people congregating Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. And very quickly they had to move the hay bales into the oh. uh, you know parking lot area because yeah. it was dangerous for people to pull off on the pike. And yeah. um, I'm pretty sure his wife started that and then... They kind of expanded and they hired somebody to, you know, do more. And mm-hmm. then they brought in a little farm stand building and, yeah. you know, they've added on a little this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I a gazebo, it. you know. Uh, cooking. Oh, shoot. I forgot I had something in the oven. Hold on. <laughs> it does smell good in here. <laughs> I have a lot going on right now. I have these little, let's see. Oh, gosh, I completely forgot. Oh, try, try. fun. I've had so little success with that. Really? Why? They Actually, the pumpkin they... seeds, uh, Skylar was asking, Did do we have pumpkin seeds from all the pumpkins you carved? I'm like, oh, what do you need? I'm going to give them to the chickens. And yeah. she's like, oh, I'm going to roast them. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, some people <clears throat> are usual. obsessed with doing that. Our very good friends actually gave us those. Um, mm-hmm. We did pumpkin carving in the backyard. And I mean, I was just going to compost them. And they yeah. went, no, 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 no. Yeah, they're really we were roasting yummy. them. We've yeah. always, our daughter Skylar, uh, who is uh, thirty three, has mm. always roasted the pumpkin seeds. It's a, it's as much a tradition as the carving is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it's actually better than the carving. Yeah, I like the pumpkin seed part. So better. do I. I don't like the cleaning <laughs> the pumpkin seed. Part. Yeah. Well, actually, if you leave a little bit of the goo on it, then yeah. the salt sticks better. Well, so there is goo on this. Okay. I was hoping it would just kind of crisp up and. 
disappear. Yeah. Um, we'll see about <laughs> all that. It's part of the flavor. This is the second interview I've done in the season where the timer's gone off and I've had to run oh, over and take something out. <laughs> it's all good. The beauty of doing it I'm sure it you'll your own edit home. the beeping out or I something. mean, I may, I may not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, well, Jerry is so interesting to me because that's such a story of rejuvenation of that space. I had no idea that it was the pesticides and the commercial strawberry operation were making people sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you look at what it is now, it's vibrant, it's completely, you know, everything rotates. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is so much to that stand, the little lending cookbook library yeah. and the, <laughs> you know, he was having um, Red Hen Bakery show mm-hmm. up and the fish guy and the chicken mm-hmm. guy. and um, yeah. Well, Jerry and Maureen wonderful. have certainly built a community yes for sure there. and that that community is um something that we've watched happen and and ariel has been part of that community yeah um because she worked at growing grounds farm in santa maria right and all the little starts mm-hmm. that he would yes have. and for 20 years as the farm manager in Santa Maria Mm -hmm. for Transitions Mental Health Association doing horticultural therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, She has partnered with Jerry bringing those starts up. Yeah. And people have been able to not only buy the great produce at the farm stand, but then... I'm going to grow some at home, too, and make my yes, garden. Yes, or at least I'm going to try. <clears throat> I've bought many and, starts and tried and succeeded and failed in uh, all yes, of that. Yeah, that's and, the way it but goes. that's part of the fun. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, not only the starts, but uh, there has been other uh, events that yeah. J- Jerry and Ariel have collaborated on. And, mm-hmm. and those uh, include... Um, a plant... What about the tomato, fen- the tomato thing? Like a tomato festival. Oh well, yeah. We so we we started doing a tomato fandango at um, the Olive Ranch up on um, Chris and Will's place. Yeah, which is the name I'm forgetting. Uh, Tiber Canyon. Tiber, Tiber Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I for many years we started a doing wonderful that. place. And Such then, a beautiful place. Yeah. And then we came down. So we would do Tiber Canyon, and then we would come down the next weekend and have the big well tomato details. fandango. What, like, details. No. So no plants. So oh, we oh, had oh. like, you know, 60 different varieties of tomato starts and we would oh, have them and then we'd have all the other starts too and, you know, the dill and the oregano and the um, lettuce so and you could broccoli. really shop. And, and it, it was, was a, a big spring, like plant your garden, buy lovely. all your starts. And was so, that a one weekend thing or a two weekend thing? Yeah, it was just one weekend that we would yeah. do that. Does this not happen anymore? You have plans to re- revive it? Um, so there are new people who are, have taken over at yeah. Growing Grounds mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I'm open. I'm hope I hope they come back. We're still buying their starts. Yeah. You know? That's so cool. yeah, people love having plants. You know, yeah. I mean I think it's just an add on. I think the farm stand is just it's nice to have different things for people to buy that kind of are in that food theme. Mm-hmm. You know, like having the cookbook lending library or not lending library, the like a free little library. Free library, the little free library and having the plant starts and having, you know, the local person who makes cookies come and sell her cookies once a week so it's nice to have these little add-on things because it's you know it's sort of supporting the community Mm -hmm. and um it's you know obviously it's something that makes people want to come and feel like it's a great place to be it's not just a place to drop in and get your lettuce no it's a place to visit and 
We, uh, I had my, so I didn't care too much about food other than eating it. Um, until it was like, it's like a little spiritual awakening, 2006, I think all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I, I was waiting at the dentist's office and they had a copy of gourmet magazine and I was waiting and I picked it up and I started reading it and something flipped in my brain and Mm -hmm. made me feel like I could do this. Mm -hmm. And so I started cooking, I started experimenting and, uh, I started going to, uh, driving all the way down mm. to Ruti's mm-hmm. and picking up the box mm-hmm. and trying to make something out of whatever was in the box. And it was always so affordable. Mm-hmm. It's a very inexpensive, low commitment mm-hmm. um, yeah. program. 20 bucks is like nothing. $20 yeah. for all of that. It just involved me getting down there to yeah. pick it up. But uh, over time, you know, you start to see kids kids are playing with the little dinosaurs uh, you know you, there were always uh, like a basket of toys or something and some hay bales and you know this is my foreman calling I kind of need to oh answer. go ahead oh, it's okay yeah <laughs> now we'll just wait we're planting strawberries today <gasps> another crop of strawberries is you know and of course um, I'll just speak about mm-hmm. the crew because um, it I mean, Ariel is the farm manager and the farm, we're the farm owners, but it's this crew that Jerry has had for 15, 18 years. Uh, Same people then? Yes. Awesome. And this is a family of, um, uh, uh, of men mm-hmm. and they are men who have been farming that piece of land for 25 years. So they like know it. Almost 20 years. Like the back of their hand. Or more. I thought, I think she said that um, Raul actually worked at the strawberry grower first. So he transitioned over. So um, they, these are the guys that really are the backbone Mm -hmm. of the farm because she, she couldn't do the actual farming part she knows how to do it but it's it's back-breaking work and, yeah it's and, too much volume and 30 and, acres yeah is huge yeah. um so we have a, a team of five a crew mm-hmm. of five and they are absolutely fantastic mm. they make it happen yeah and and they know the rotations mm-hmm. of everything that's going on and She's able, with Jerry's help and with Raul's help and mm-hmm. the crew, and on Hill is our tractor driver, mm-hmm. um, we're, she's able to make this whole thing happen. Yeah. And I can just kind of be the farmer's wife. So The support system. She's the farmer. I'm the farmer's wife. Is everything okay? Yes. They just need to know how many beds of strawberries to plant. And, yeah. Yeah. That's so. so exciting, though. I, you're planting now, and we're thinking, you know, yeah, into it's a the long future. It for is strawberries. Way longer long than time. I thought. Yeah, well, California is a little different than other areas. Um, mm-hmm. Like on the East Coast, you can grow them as perennials. Yeah. And they come back every year. But we have a very different climate, and, um, you know, you want to plant them now so that when the spring comes, they have a really good root system, yeah. and they'll you know, get really big and make a lot of fruit. Yeah. Starting in March. You guys are in a lot of sand, if I remember correctly. Correct. Is Are they happy in that? They actually really like sand. Okay. They like really well-drained soil. 
Obviously, sand has its limitations because it doesn't hold nutrients as well. Yeah. Um, you have to water more often because the water just leaches through. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of crops, the sand is, is actually really yeah. good. Like our carrots love it. Root crops love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to weed. It's really easy to pull oh the weeds gosh, out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it just slides out. You can mm-hmm. walk through the fields and you don't get covered with mud. Yeah, right. Good point. <laughs> you know, you Cultivation goes mud. much more smoothly because yeah. it's... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always farmed in sand, so I don't know mm. any different. I don't know how, I wouldn't know how to farm in clay. It's a very different, um, <laughs> would be a very different we've, experience. We've had a lot of clay in San Luis Obispo. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's yeah. really, there have been times when we've been clinking away with a <laughs> pickaxe or something. With a pickaxe and finally said, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. we just go yeah. with rocks here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so um, we're actually lucky that way. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, uh, geomorphologically speaking... Wow. There is a the the Rio Grande Creek, which drains from up through Lopez and comes down and goes out to the ocean right there, mm-hmm. where the RV thing is. Yeah. Um, if you just go over the Halcyon Hill and down into that AG Valley, mm-hmm. that's all very dark, dark, and way more clay soil. Mm. Whereas just a just up. Where we are is the sand dune, which is the extension of the sand dunes of the Guadalupe dunes and the Oceana dunes. And it's all of that. And that comes right up to our little hill, the Halcyon Hill, we call it. Yeah. That's one of the largest. It's the largest dune complex in California Mm -hmm. and one of the largest in the world, which Mm. is crazy to so to yeah. think that you're part of that you're farming on part of yeah, that is pretty extraordinary yeah it is i mean honestly it's not the most ideal farm land mm-hmm. um would it be better to farm near the roy Grande creek where you know mm-hmm. like the hayashis have these beautiful fields of like dark rich soil dark well, dark soil. like when you drive out los osos valley road and i'm More always yeah. looking at those fields and i'm like oh look at that beautiful soil <laughs> it's like you just want to eat that soil it's so it's river bottom beautiful. soil yes yes right. is what it is. and there's lots of nutrients and i'm sure that they are having to put less um fertilizer and maybe mm-hmm. less water and there's a little bit less maintenance maybe that has to happen mm-hmm. with that kind of soil um but you know, we seem to do pretty good. You and we totally have an advantage. We, we have, we can do inputs. Yeah. Yeah. Which so we is... put a lot of compost in. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of cover crops um, in the winter. You know what a cover crop is? I do. Yeah. Okay. And um, Not, uh, fixing the nitrogen. It, it fixes nitrogen, but it also adds, it's like basically composting in place. Yes. So you've got all this green manure that you're working into the soil and then yeah. it, you know, composts in place and you have microbes coming in and you have all kinds of great soil tilth that's added yep and of, of course that. as long as we're talking about inputs mm-hmm. um the inputs that we use there i'm going to let ariella talk about because she had a big huge compost truck come in and get stuck in the field <laughs> oh no last week yeah that is one of the downsides <laughs> of sand as well you know when you get a big huge truck that's like weighs thirty thousand oh, pounds yeah and with the load of course you know running through your fields to dump compost yes occasionally they get stuck yeah he got stuck three times so so there's another pitfall sam well yes so for some reason this one area of the farm is much you know deeper the sand is much deeper in this one area softer it's softer yeah it's like eventually you know in the other fields eventually you know there's a soft layer of sand at the top but then as you go down you hit 
you know, something hard eventually. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there was any hard bottom in this field at all. Oh, he just Lord. kept going deeper and deeper. Oh, so, yeah. Wow. So anyway, that got they got that solved. Yeah. And um, a tow truck had to come and pull them out. But uh, input-wise, mm-hmm. um, Ariel's been, and Jerry has been for years using the chicken... Talk about that. Jeff's the interviewer here. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love Talk it. Talk about that. He's your publicist. What are we talking about? The chicken manure fertilizer? Yes. yes. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we are using fertilizer to grow our crops mm-hmm. because they need the NPK and they need all the other stuff. Quite successfully, I might, I might add. So mm-hmm. chicken, the chicken manure has been a big part. And, it's, you know, it's processed chicken manure. It's not just raw chicken manure from our chickens. It's processed and comes in nice pellets. And so mm-hmm. almost everything we plant, we would do a, uh, we would put in a, you know, a pre-plant fertilizer. Yeah. And that would be it. Um, and then we use a lot of fish emulsion, mm-hmm. which is a uh, liquid fish processed from fish yeah you know processing plants i'm assuming they take all the heads and the tails and mm-hmm. whatever and they who knows cook it down and they make it into a nice stinky soup can you imagine working in that that plant i mean you know <clears throat> it's it's bad enough applying it to the fields i you would know, imagine you spill it yeah. on your pants and you smell <gasps> rancid for the rest of the day we got to cl- we god got- bless the people who do the fish emulsion <laughs> let's just say we got to clean out the fish emulsion tank yeah, the Jeff, other day. Jerry left you it nice and to. nice and uh, dirty for yeah, us. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he meant to, but yes. well, so you have lots of inputs, but none. Uh, I would assume you haven't changed Jerry's original intent, which was to keep it uh, pesticide free. Yeah, so we don't use any pesticides of any mm. kind, even organic ones. The only thing I've been using is these little sticky traps that trap the bugs. Mm-hmm. Those are somewhat successful, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we haven't sprayed anything. I think it was sort of the agreement with the neighbors as well that mm-hmm. when Jerry came in, that he wouldn't spray anything. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are organic sprays that you can use. There's sulfur sprays, and yeah. there's neem oil, and there's all kinds of things. But um, you do need to have a pesticide applicator's uh, permit to do that. And I, you know, we don't need to go through. We that don't process. do that. Let's just not. Get we one. just don't do that. Yeah. You know. Um, there are crops that get lost to pests. Mm-hmm. We have lost some things because, well, there's too many aphids. We can't sell it, you know. God, aphids, yeah. Yeah, or there's, you know, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of fun little interesting bugs that I've been learning about because, you know, each piece of property has its own um, bug problem, right? right? Yeah. So when I was farming in Santa Maria, we had certain problems, and mm-hmm. here we have other problems. And so... You know, you just sort of learn about, well, what, what kind of method can I use to, um, you know, to mitigate this to the, to an extent that I can actually, you know, harvest a crop. If, al- if we do. Are you always chasing that or do you ever get it dialed in? Uh, no, it, sometimes it's dialed in. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. we have perfect crops, you know, like this last like now. couple of oh, crops of really. broccoli has been, per- there's been no aphid in sight. I probably should speak quietly yeah, so I, I don't call them. Don't, don't tell those aphids. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, they listen the corn, to uh, we chop off the ends of the corn because the corn Every have the beautiful corn. worms. Yes. It's a there. nice corn earworm. And yes. So that proves that in fact, Oh, flowers. what the heck, what kind of an interview? Come on in. What is happening today? This day has been so weird. Somebody's sending you flowers. Hi. I was open air and I have a delivery for you. I totally 
recognize you. Come here. What is this? It's for you. You're so sweet. Thank you. Happy birthday. No, it's not my birthday. (laughs) Happy Halloween, too. You're so kind. Thank Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. It's from my husband who's in the other room. Oh, Oh, that's so sweet. I'm going to cry. Wow. Go ahead. We'll cry with you. Oh, my gosh. You see the crutches here. He just had um, surgery on his Achilles. Oh. Is he a runner? Uh, Yes. Um, And just like I'm saying, this day has been so insane. It's just you don't know how much the other person does until you have to do both. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it is just a lot. We have a big life here. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah. Well, I mean, two kids is a lot, too. It is, and they're active, and we're active. And, yeah. Uh, the only way to be. I, I mean, I think so. I know that you did work with Surfrider, so I'm yeah. taking it you're an yeah. avid surfer. and Oh, yeah. And then you're out farming for 20-plus years. I mean, we have we are, we are busy people, you know? Yeah. We do a lot. And stay busy. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Anyway, that's so, so cool. Well, that's very nice. Thank that you, he Jacob. I love flowers. that he's like 10 feet away right now. <laughs> um, well, I do want to come back to my original question, though, is how did you wind up with, with Ruti's yeah. Farm? So throughout the years, you know, knowing Jerry, you know, and stopping by and delivering plants and chatting with him, you know, he would every once in a while say, oh, when are you going to come work for me? I'm like, oh, you know, I got a pretty good gig with transitions, you know, I don't know, I, you know, and I said, well, at one point I said, well, this is how much you need to make. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, nothing ever came and he's been, he, he, um, you know, had several different people coming in and working with him and things that, you know, didn't work out or they did work out. And I think he was always trying to figure out, well, how am I going to move on? You know, how am I going to end up going fishing permanently? You yeah. know, basically I want to, you know, I want to retire. And so finally he sat down and he said to me, I want you to take over the farm mm. and I want to <laughs> sell you the business mm-hmm. and let's sit down and make a deal. And so Jeff and I and wow, Jeff and I sat down and he presented this whole, you know, you know, they had lots of records to look at and it just, it penciled out. Oh, I love that. It just penciled out for us. And yes, um, but that was, there was some wrestling and wrangling to go on. You know, there was like the pros and the cons. Just quick. We made, made a long list. Mm -hmm. This is what's good about doing this. This is what maybe is not so good, but there were so many good things yeah it was mostly good our 10 year old is there with us Mm. she would grow up with that mom would be close by yeah not not driving back and forth commuting Mm -hmm. which she doesn't like being in cars anyway Mm -hmm. Um, commuting has never been her thing um (laughs) i mean is it anybody's thing i don't think so all of the things were pointing in the direction and of course, there's the one thing that Ariella said to me. She goes, you know, if we didn't do this, and I saw other people down there farming and doing that, Ooh, yeah. I would look down at that, and I would like, oh, that could have been me. 
Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, sad to see them doing something that you didn't like or changing the Mm -hmm. original. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't done. So you just kind of have to go for it. I I just felt like I had to go for it. This is something I could not do. Mm -hmm. Um, And And we are grateful to Jerry for putting the trust in mm-hmm. Ariella yeah. to take this. And yeah. he chose you. He did. He chose me because I know that there were other people who he was talking to and mm-hmm. there were other people who expressed interest. You know, they would have loved to come in and I mean, that's that farm stand is a viable business, you know, and it's, it's so already nice made a name hear. and people are already in the habit of coming there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, any existing farm would love to take over that little piece of real estate and um, set up shop. So I know that he had had other folks come through, but I think his, you know, I think he just, it was so serendipitous Mm -hmm. really that I lived there, that we had been friends for 20 years, that we had been working together. He liked me. We trusted Mm -hmm. each other. Um, I just felt, and he he wanted, he wanted somebody who was going to continue what he had built, you know, this community, you know, base Mm -hmm. for folks to come to this place that was a community center um that would be you know for everybody you know it wouldn't just be you know a place to make money for some other farmer or you know maybe like you said changing the way that they were farming or um or maybe just you know and and also he wanted to find something that was sustainable for his employees Mm -hmm. for his foremen and for the workers about them yeah yeah and and there I am so you know basically when I took over I said well they have to stay that's Mm. like the deal breaker if they're gonna stay and they want to continue to work with me then then it'll work because they're really the farm you know yeah I'm I'm getting that for sure they are the ones who yeah I mean I'm sitting here talking to you and they're (sighs) breaking their backs planting strawberries right now you know so they're the they're the people who are really doing the hard work and they know how to farm that land I'm just there to make sure that they have the supplies they need Mm -hmm. and that you know they say oh how many beds of strawberries to plant oh I get let's do this let's do 30 yeah (laughs) let's do 40 whatever it is like you know I'm just like kind of a figurehead in a certain kind of way and I'm very grateful to manage them you know management with a a wide view yeah it's a team is what Mm -hmm. really what it is um so there's the farm crew Mm -hmm. which is that part of the team and then we have the farm stand crew yep which also it was very important for us to have that be able to continue. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to work together with Jerry and carry on what he's created. Mm -hmm. And everybody stayed. Yeah, I love it. I know there are a lot of familiar faces behind behind the register there. I haven't been in quite a while, but every year the strawberries are a priority. Mm Mm-hmm. Jerry's yeah. berries are yeah, they're the best sure. strawberries in the county. They are so so. I don't know what it is. Good, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were really good this year too, mm. like really good. Even Jerry was like, "This is kind of the best strawberry crop oh, ever." Makes me happy. So yeah, you know, I don't know. I think we had the best onion crop ever this year too, because mm-hmm. you know Jerry still comes around. Oh, well, I would believe it. He's yeah. there. He, he has a horse there. He keeps his horse there. Actually, it's his wife's oh. horse. So he comes by every day or 
you know, they come twice a day actually to feed the horse. And mm-hmm. he looks around. He says, oh, yeah. Oh, I think maybe uh, you might want to think about fertilizing that broccoli crop over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm happy to have his expertise. Totally. Um, he did give us, you know, on the paperwork, six months of mm-hmm. consulting. Which we've Which already we done. Used, exhausted. Have yeah. used up. But he's still, you know, if I call him and I have a question about, you know, Jerry, where do you get the, you know, the fertilizer for this? Or what do, you know, who do I talk to about, you know, the apples that mm-hmm. we're buying? Um, he's always happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, working for transitions then. So what was a typical day like for you when you were working in Santa Maria and was it out closer to, was it Guadalupe or was it Santa Maria Valley? So growing grounds farm in Santa Maria is right by the airport. It's just on the South side of the airport and it's a little, I think it's about four or five acre parcel that's right next to the sheriff's station on Foster road. Yeah. It's on Foster road. And, um, you know, when I took over there, I they were farming. Um, it was going to be just flowers, commercial flowers. Mm-hmm. No, two thousand two. I took over in two thousand one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was also a landscape business. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a landscape <laughs> business, a Moblo and Go business, which I quickly ran into <laughs> the ground because <laughs> she didn't want to do that. Uh, I just oh, I yeah, it. it was not my you know she weed whacking and mowing yeah. you know um, not maintenance. Yeah. And of other ple- people's places. Yeah, right? Yeah. And grass. No. Like, but that was a way my... to, that no. they made money f- at the farm at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of putting it together. So basically, you know, in my time there, um, we turned it into like a small organic farm, mm-hmm. you know, with a little farm stand. And we quickly realized that on a four acre parcel, you can only grow so much produce and then you're basically done. Mm -hmm. And so what's another way to make money? Oh, plant starts. Yeah. Because they last a lot longer. You cut a head of broccoli. If you don't sell it within a day or two, it's garbage. Yeah. But if you plant them in a little soil, then you can keep them around for a few weeks. That's really smart. Yeah. So that worked out really good. um, And that became quite a viable business. So, um, and you're, and so you're employed by transitions. I was employed by transitions as the program manager Mm -hmm. for that program. And so, you know, I'd show up every day. I had clients, Mm -hmm. client employees who were basically referred through mental health services, Mm -hmm. department of rehab. And these are folks who really didn't have farm skills. I mean, they didn't know what they were doing with the plants and some of them didn't even have job skills. So Mm -hmm. it was a working with folks to learn how to show up on time, how to be dressed appropriately, yeah. how to pay attention, how to follow directions, how to, you know, plant a plant in soil and take care of it and water it and sell and it. Pull weeds well, and so that's spread a whole, mulch. And... That's a whole other skill set for you then. It was. And, um, and, and I loved my job. Yeah. I loved my job. You were there a job, long time. Yeah, but I got to tell you, I sleep a lot years. better at night now. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I don't have to worry about, you know, there. You never knew who your employees were going to be for the mm-hmm. day. And so it was really all on my shoulders mm-hmm. to get the business done, to be a viable business, because I couldn't necessarily count on my workers. Yeah. You know, where because they going you to show don't up? know it from day to day what their skills will be. Right. And are they going to even show up? Are they going to be having mm. some kind of crisis sometimes, mm-hmm. too? Things would happen. So, you know, coming to um, Halcyon Farms and having this amazing crew that's like, you know, I, I say, yeah, we're going to plant 40 beds of strawberries. And 
by the time I get down there in the morning, they're halfway done. You know, by nine o'clock, they're like halfway done yeah. with the planting and, um, and they know how to do it. I don't have to show them. Mm-hmm. So I, I sleep better at night. I loved my job. I loved working with the folks I worked with, mm-hmm. but I was definitely after 20 years ready to, um, have something different. These five men though are giants and they really are. Yeah. Our crew the right backbone now. Mm-hmm. of the farm. What he means. Yeah. yeah. So even though you went from a four or five acre place with transitions, yeah. growing grounds, you go to a 30 acre spot, but you yeah. have these five people who are just aces in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a bigger, it's a much bigger thing to manage. You know, it's when I think about, you know, ordering seeds, you know, it's like mm. not ordering a thousand seeds. I'm yeah, ordering 10,000 seeds, yeah, you know, yeah. like there's just a different way 10, seeds conceptually. Like? It's a difference of, of scale. Yes. yes. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's still within my skill set. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm not doing anything that's like, oh, you know, I'm not stepping into this thing where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing because yeah. I have a lot of support. I have Jerry's support and um, I have some knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. I'm constantly learning. But that's uh, one of the come things. Come on, you got lots of knowledge. Well, I'm not going to let you Farming is so fun because you learn new things like every day. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not like you can just, you can't just dial it in. No. You know, you that's have kind to of be what I meant attention. about the pests. Like you, you probably have to, you know, if you have a good year with a specific crop as you know, regarding pests. Well, that's cool. But what about next year? You know, you're probably always thinking it's so dynamic. Yeah. No. I mean, and like, for instance, the strawberries this year, you know, right in the beginning when I first took over, you know, we were, Jerry and I were still working together a lot and he said, Oh, you know, you, you might have this mite. That's, that's a problem Mm -hmm. with the strawberries. And he's like, well, this is sometimes what I've done is I buy these predatory mites and they come in these little tubes and you put them out in the early in the morning and then they'll go and attack the other mites. And so, you know, you have these little magnifying glasses and we're looking at the bottom of the leaves and wow. checking and counting. Oh, how many mites do you see? I see, oh, I see three spotted mites. Oh, this one has 10 spotted mites. Oh, looks like we need to, you know, it's just, it's fun mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's great when you buy the predatory mites and you see it working. Yes. That's the best part. That's like conquering and that, something. And it worked this year. I mean, yeah. it was great to be able to, you know, I love learning those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and it is dynamic and, you know, I don't know if I'll always be successful. Maybe some mm-hmm. years we might lose some strawberries sure. to the two-spotted mite. Yeah. yeah. And of course, uh, Ugo's growing tomatoes right now and over in that tomato crop. Yeah. Well, we have, <laughs> we have a lovely, lovely worm. So we realized mm-hmm. that corn earworms will actually live in the ground and then come back out when they have something yummy to eat. And they don't just eat corn. They like tomatoes too. Shoot. So there's a lot of worms in the tomatoes. Um, mm. Yeah, which is actually another thing to tell you about, which is yeah. part of Jerry's genius that he has passed on to us, is um, he has worked with the, the guys, our crew, mm-hmm. and given them plots of land that he rents to them where they can grow their own crops. Yep. So it started out as, well, you want to grow some corn and some beans, you know, for your family. Here's, mm-hmm. here's a little area. Well, and then they came to him and they said, Jerry, I have all these extra beans. Can I sell them at the stand? Sure. Yep. So now there are certain crops that are their crops that mm-hmm. they grow. So Hugo grows the tomatoes. So he brings the tomatoes in and he can sell them to us. Mm-hmm. He sells them to other places too. It's not just us. Yeah. But um, we do a profit share with him 
That's on what great. we sell. And it's been great for them to, you know, so they're not just working for an hourly wage. They're also farmers in their own right and right. they have their own businesses. They pay us rent for the land. Um, on hell grows, uh, the peas, cucumbers, cucumbers peas, squash. squash. Uh, are we missing anything? That's so cool. Carlos grows peppers and eggplant and melons. and melons. So you also get things that you otherwise maybe didn't provide at the stand. So now you have this diversity of stuff yeah. that you can do. And there's really only so much that you can, you know, that we in the, the week can grow, right, mm-hmm. with our staff i mean there are limits to the hours that you can pay somebody these guys work work on their crops after they've already put in eight hours working Mm. for us right yeah so it's kind of a a co-op it's it's kind of cooperative (laughs) yeah it is Mm -hmm. it is it's uh in a certain kind of way yeah okay so where does the where does the love of growing things i mean because i i also know that you manage the hollywood farmers market once upon a time. And so yes. you've got this um, history with, well, with produce, I suppose. Uh-huh. Um, where does that come from? Where did you grow up? So, yeah, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did a family member, like, did you grow up with a garden or know, anything like that? You know, my mom had a garden, um, but I think, I think I had this idea of, you know, I grew up around hippies. My dad mm-hmm. was a... Um, was an old peacenik and so we grew up in this intentional community everybody had gardens tallahassee florida in tallahassee oh, florida really? is where i grew up yes yeah. so back to the land all yeah that. kind of back to the land stuff but you know i was sort of you know i was a little bit of a rebel so i had a little bit of a gardening experience as a kid but um she I went have to a always... community school, though, as a kid, mm-hmm. and, and it's called Grassroots is the community that she lived in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the name and of the And it was... Community. Okay. Yes. Deep Hippie. Yeah, deep. Yes. <laughs> deep, deep. Deep Hippie. So mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, and my mom was a nutritionist. I think that hmm. she definitely got me interested in food and cooking. She was a really good cook. Um, did I... You know, I don't know where the, I think I just liked eating. I think mm, it started for uh-huh. me, maybe similar with you. Like you just sort of like eating and you're, yeah. and you realize, Hey, certain vegetables are better than other vegetables. Yep. And, Oh, look at that farming lifestyle. That's nice mm. outside, not have to sitting at, not to, you know, indoor work has never been something I enjoyed. Yeah. I definitely and don't want to sit we at part a computer. Ways. Yeah. That's you know? where I don't look at farming and be like, oh. That looks fun. <laughs> okay. I just appreciate the heck out yeah. of it. Yeah. I think, you know, I always liked, yeah, I always liked, uh, you know, outside yep. work. Yep. And I think it's just something that kind of fell in my lap in a certain sense, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I, the Hollywood farmer's market, it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm, I really love food and I love the farmer's market and they have a job opening. I, I go apply for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I was not very old when that was. Yeah, this is around the turn of the century. It's 2000 or so. (laughs) 1900? uh, (laughs) The the, the newest turn of the century. And Ariel's... Not that old. Ariel's uh, life at at that moment was an activist Hmm. around um, certain issues that were important to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Corporate... um, Remember you did the Union Oil thing? Yeah, well, I had a, yeah, I just, yeah, I had, that's the first time I heard about San Luis Obispo was there was a local attorney who was working for the National Lawyers Guild who 
was working on a, the lawsuit against Unical. Was it Aaron Brockovich? No, it wasn't Aaron Brockovich, okay. but it, it was a, it's a little bit more of a complicated lawsuit. Yeah. It wasn't but the big spill, the out big in spill Avila. with Avila. And, um, so I worked for him for a while and I ended up working in LA. Some, you were in LA. Yeah. I did mm-hmm. a lot of phone calls with people in San Luis Obispo hmm. around that issue. And I, I'd never been here. I never heard of this place. Hmm. And so, you know, and then, of course, around the turn of the century also was the GMO, no-mo GMOs, yeah. uh, genetically modified organisms. And uh, this is when we first met, and mm-hmm. we got to do cool stuff. Yeah. Did you meet through activism? No. <laughs> How'd you meet? Out in the water or something like we that? We met at Fry's Electronics. What? I know. What? It's, <laughs> it's a very random In like story. Irvine or something? Very random. Burbank. Oh, yeah. Very random. I, I was going to Fred's Electronics to buy an iron. Why I need an iron, I probably have used it once. Uh-huh. I don't iron clothes. <laughs> but for some reason, I felt I needed an iron. Okay. I think I must have been going there to meet Jeff, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he and he was a... Um, Jeff has another lifetime ago. He was a beef jerky distributor for a local beef jerky More than company 20 years. called, uh, what was it Pacific called? Coast Jerky Factory Coast out of Ventura. Local to LA? Out of Ventura. It was a Ventura base. Okay. Yeah. Ventura. And so he would go and stock all the Fry's Electronics, like north oh, and with, south. with beef jerky. With beef yeah, jerky. I was in, and the, in the snacks He was the in the little out. snack aisle. Exactly. And I was going through with my, my iron, and I looked at him, and I was like, I just thought, wow, he's really cute. Yeah, he and is I, cute. So I said hi. And he said hi. No, you said... You got the best job in the place. And I said, uh, I don't work here. I just bring the beef jerky. <laughs> and I was like, oh, even better. And then I was out the door getting in my little Ford Festiva. Nice. Way to go, <laughs> Festiva. Yeah. And he pops into my window yeah. and basically just starts talking to me. He's like, here's my number. Do you like talks- beef jerky? And at that time, I had no idea what beef jerky was. I'd never had beef jerky. I was for, I was raised vegetarian, oh, so okay. you know beef jerky was not in my purview of items to eat. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's how we. So met. my life at the at the time was um, driving to the, all the Fry's Electronics stores. There was five in L.A. and five in San Jose, and every other weekend, I ha- I have two daughters. Uh, older in their 30s mm-hmm. and um, lived on the Mesa and I would drive to LA one weekend mm-hmm. San Jose the next weekend I would run around and do the five stores and then the, I was back in LA the, the following weekend yeah so it was every weekend driving mm-hmm. and I would stay overnight and surf at trestles yeah in down there and in LA when I and then when I was uh, up in San Jose, I would sometimes just go across the hill and mm-hmm. sleep in Santa Cruz and surf in Santa Cruz the next morning before I started the, the next perfect, part. The perfect of, surfing job. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and I also, hit a van. And, you're just blowing my mind with like, you know, you go to something like Office Depot, if that even exists anymore, or Staples. I think it's Office Max yeah. now. Okay. And you <laughs> see snacks in the aisle. Yeah. I would never even think, oh, there's a person who stocks that outside of the place, you know, outside of Staples. Yeah. Well, I think say. now it's just one guy. It's like the Lay's truck comes yeah. and does it all. Back in the day, I don't know how he, they ended up getting his beef jerky because it was not a, it was a small 
business. Small company. Small company. Jerky factory was a small. Yeah, it was a small little local place. So he just kind of lucked into this big account. And just to promo the jerky, which still exists, Mm -hmm. uh, the guy had started it. Uh, got the recipe from a Native American, mm. um, and it was a and the and the jerky was produced with uh, no MSG, mm-hmm. no preservatives, uh, antibiotic and hormone free meat, wow. and it was a really clean, clean beef jerky product. And mm-hmm. I'd never had beef jerky. I met Jimmy in the early eighty, uh, early nineties, mm. like ninety one or two, when I moved to Ventura, and I was like, he say, here, try this. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. He was an accountant by trade, but him and his brother started the jerky factory and built a huge oven and took this recipe and ran with it. And they must have made a lot too. They made a lot of jerky and mm-hmm. they had Ventura County all sewn up with one distributor who did it all. And I, I went to him one day and said, can I sell your stuff too? And, oh, how cool. And of course... That was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, so that's because uh, that's just background sales, okay? Which is a which is good for our business because yeah. you know he has a really good sense of like, you know, the sales, you know, the business, how to run a business, yeah. how to you know how to deal with the taxes that you got to pay, mm-hmm. and you people. Know? I mean, it's it, the yeah. people part yeah. of things. Yeah. He's the one asking you the questions. Like, I know. Tell her about this. Tell Jeff's her about the extrovert. That. Very, very good. I'm the introvert. He's the extrovert. I just want to go look at the plants and be with them. Yes. I want to be with the plants. Yes. yes. And Jeff is like, oh, I'm going to go talk to these people over here. Yeah. Tell them all about you. And <laughs> your so plants. Funny. So funny. Okay, so where does the surf rider thing come from? Oh, well, uh, so I started surfing in my teens, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a problem in around Pismo with um, high fecal coliform and high pollution. Yeah, um, surfers were getting sick. Like, they go into the water, and then they come out, and they'd be all congested, and they'd feel like uh, they had the flu. When or... was that? And so it's actually still happening, oh. but to a lesser degree, perhaps. And um, and I, don't, I really can't speak for the actual history l- lately. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the folks that I was working with and and at that point around what time uh, when 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 was that that I started in that but anyway 2000 early 2000 five, early two th- yeah no maybe. early 2000s cuz I was chair of the surfrider here in slow slow mm-hmm. surfrider up until Olivia was born 12 so 2007 to 12 mm. I was chair here and I That's took over time. from a really great uh, guy Noah Smuckler who mm. uh, is a North County landscape guy he well, and his he used wife. to be a city council member he was also a city councilor member more bay city council right yeah. and um you know we all we all just thought the same and and uh actually one of the um one of the girls uh jen joswick says said to me one day she goes you know she was kept getting sick and she goes you know you know we really should get active on this somehow mm-hmm. and i said yeah let's get active mm-hmm. so we started getting involved and, mm-hmm. and Surfrider was the place to do it because Surfrider is an is an organization designed and whose whole sole purpose is to improve the water quality mm-hmm. and beaches for the enjoyment of surfers and non surfers and just 
having it be better. Yeah. So we went down that path and, and did anything change? Uh, well, um, or did you, did you raise awareness perhaps? Well, there, we went to a lot of city council meetings. Um, uh, you probably well, you also did a lot of water testing. Yeah. Okay, that's, we that's started, the water <clears throat> testing. We started with the water testing and we were able, gathering. we were able to f- determine what was actually happening with these levels. Can you tell We me? used Abalone Coast Labs over here. Yeah. We made our, we made our own little lab for a little while. Hmm. Um, we would go and test the pier and we would test at six or seven sites up and down the coast from Morro Bay all the way down. We had volunteers to go out and do the testing. Mm-hmm. We'd get the samples back, put them to the lab, find out what was going on. Um, we kind of realized that there's an ocean outfall mm-hmm. just off of uh, uh, Grover, and it actually goes out from the sewer plant in, in Oceano. There's mm. a South Slow County mm. uh, um district um and it doesn't go very far offshore it's only you know like 600 not no it's under a mile it's it's three quarters of a mile or so offshore and the sewage that gets treated doesn't treat enough yeah and it would just flow out there and then there's a there's a current called the davidson current that flows south to north Mm -hmm. and goes straight to the pier so the stuff dumps out there three quarters of a mile, then goes head straight to the pier, hits the pier and eddies and swirls and, swirls and eddies, and it stuff just drops out right there at the yeah. pier. That's my theory. Okay. Um, and so we got in. We and Noah Smuckler got us involved in this to begin with. I, just a minute. It's so gross. I, it's just so sad to think about, right? I know. That is, I, so I, I thought maybe actually that it was going to be full circle, like it was a pesticide runoff or something like that. No, it's sewage. Well, we talked, we talked about those things too, but wow. of course the solution to pollution is dilution. Well, that was be. the 50s and 60s and 70s mentality. Mm-hmm. So the fastest way to get rid of sewage is to pump it into a water body. Right. It, it, inland, it goes into rivers mm-hmm. and streams. Here, the oceans, where you build the sewer plant right on the ocean. Yeah. Um, so we got really active with uh, complaining to AG City Council, mm-hmm. uh, Oceano, um, Grover Beach. We'd go to all the city council meetings. Uh, and we would just, Hey, here's what we're finding. And this is what we see. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys aren't doing anything about it. And this is not really the right approach Mm -hmm. to be doing this, uh, doing this way. Mm -hmm. It seems archaic. Yes, it is. And, and then we discovered Noah actually turned us on to in Arcata, there is a, constructed wetlands Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where the sewage plants built and they've constructed a wetlands Mm -hmm. around it and they just run the the nutrient rich effluent Mm -hmm. into the wetlands Mm -hmm. and they run it up there and and then they they've made a big park and it's Mm -hmm. there's trees and reeds and everything growing and and it's recharging the aquifer i mean now you flush the toilet with perfectly clean good water and it goes out to the ocean yeah with your poop yeah <laughs> so Gosh. so it just seems kind of like for our area just sort of counterintuitive Wake like up. let's yeah. figure five out five million gallons a day oh 
five million gallons gosh. a day of fresh water with nutrients yeah. that should be pumped straight up the AG Valley uh-huh. and deposited up there and down to recharge the aquifer mm-hmm. and no more ocean outfall. That and, was and, what I... And they are talking in San Luis Obispo now about recharging the aquifer. And, and yes. They, are, they have plans Good. to do things. Well, anyway, that's but, how... But, you know, those kind of things okay. take years. But, I, I mean, it's not unrelated to what you're doing now. Um, Activism. Of, yeah. Well, and like regeneration and cleaning and... Stewardship. Make, steward, that, that's the word. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Cool. Well, you guys, you're doing such good work over there, and um, I've been excited to meet you and to hear how it's been going. Um, and I think the thing that makes me the happiest is the fact that when you penciled it out, it was a viable business. That goes to show how much work Jerry and Maureen put into the place, but also this crew that mm-hmm. is supporting your work there. Mm-hmm. Um well, also the community. I mean, and, the and community yes, and is us. like totally stepped up. You know, people yeah. always say, oh, thank you for taking over and continuing mm-hmm. it. And I always say, well, thank you for your, your support. Yeah. Because we couldn't do it without the community continuing to come and buy their produce and mm-hmm. buy, you know, all the stuff that they want at the farm stand. Yeah. And uh, so it's mutually beneficial. <laughs> That's awesome. And and, good point. And, and Ariella has always been about building community. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first met her in early 2001, um, she was living in Eco Village, which mm-hmm. is an intentional community right there in LA, um, Koreatown, or is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it was just a bunch of cool people who were active and wanted to build community around. And one of the things was around food. Mm-hmm. And that was just a natural progression. And yeah, we did have a, quite a big garden at the. Yeah, I think that's probably where I started gardening. Mm-hmm. That's where village. I realized that in California you have to water plants. Oh, because Florida. No, you don't no water. Need. There's no irrigation. No need. You know, no, in California you got to go out there on a regular basis with a hose and water those plants. Yeah, what a concept. Isn't it weird here? So weird. So weird and getting weirder all by the minute. But that's what makes the good strawberries because you don't have all this water yeah. taking out all the sugars. So. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's an upside. California's trip. So, yeah. So building community mm-hmm. and stewardship of the land and the ocean. Yeah, there's the connection. Okay, well, I ask everybody on here, um, if it were your last day on Earth, you get to answer this individually, and you were like, not sad about it, you were thrilled that you had done something really great with your life, which it sounds like is not far from the truth. Um, What would you eat, and what would you drink, and who would be there with you? Mm. Wow, those are, that's a big question. Yeah. We like to go out (sighs) with a bang here. Wow. (laughs) So I'm not sad. Well, that's good. I'm not sad. No, you're celebrating. Um, well, I would definitely <laughs> be with my family, mm-hmm. you know, with Jeff and my daughter, Olivia, and um, maybe a couple of close friends. Mm-hmm. And what would I drink? Oh, I'd probably have to drink some water. champagne or something. I know. It's, you know, I've had some people say, like, yeah, no, I mean, you know, water. yeah, I'd probably want to have, how about, can I have two drinks? Of course. Can I have water it's and champagne? It's your day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, water and champagne and some delicious, you know, fresh cut vegetables. Mm. She know? probably wouldn't drink champagne. She probably would drink red wine. Mm-hmm. Well, water and wine. I like yes. the idea of champagne. Yeah. But 
you know, I can but only in handle the reality. a cup. Yeah, I know. I know. It gets me twisted pretty yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what do you, so lots of veggies? Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, lots of beautiful vegetables. I mean, there's, yeah. Usually when I'm thinking about like my comfort food, mm-hmm. my comfort food is brown rice and steamed vegetables with like some yummy sauce on top. Mm. You know, like a, maybe a tahini sauce yeah. or grated cheese even, you know, just. Did you ever eat at Natural Cafe? I did. Yeah. I used to love That's Natural what Cafe that feels in Santa like Barbara. To me. Well, Loved they have it. one in Santa Maria. It's not as good. I, you know, it's I found that. I'm sorry, Natural Cafe. We always call it Natty Cafe, but like that, the brown rice, yeah. the veggies, a sauce, maybe some cheese, those bowls. <clears throat> It's like the so best. comforting. Totally. It's like all I need. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Maybe a little like toasted sesame seeds on top. I love it. And your wine and your water. And that sounds pretty great. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what about you? Beef so, jerky all day long. No, no, I don't eat. I don't. I, reg, I actually didn't eat the beef jerky very often. Yeah. It was just a good product. Yes. Right. Um, and clean and right. Um, but I'll have an IPA and, uh, you know, yeah, something nice and hoppy. And uh, Do you have a favorite producer? A favorite? I'm um, looking at your Firestone um, okay, bottle well, opener. Well, Firestone is one of the best. And by the way, a little plug for Firestone because mm-hmm. they always helped out Surfrider whenever we needed anything and we needed beer for an event. Yeah. They would donate and just give it to us. Hey, and those guys care a lot about water too. The brewers have to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they really are one of the. I mean, I I would call them the standout brewer mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. county. That's cool. Um, uh, not there aren't that there aren't a bunch of small ones and there good are tons, ones, but yeah. but they're really good. Um, um, uh, we kind of like a hoppy poppy. I was just Figueroa. thinking I really like Hobby Poppy is my favorite. Yeah, they're going to be on um, Jamie the Brewers oh, coming great. on this season. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. We really were sorry to see them go on Grand Avenue. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh well. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'll, ha- I'll have like maybe a veggie curry, mm. Um, mm. you know, or maybe not even curried, but just uh, veggies, stir fry veggies mm-hmm. and on some rice. And Love that. Have that. I will share real quick because when I hear curry and IPA, a little story. My husband and I lived in New Zealand for a time and we were uh, working a lot just to be able to pay for our car and our, anyway, (laughs) we took a break and we went uh, on a hike. There's a, it's not well known to foreigners, but people who live there go on this hike called the Nydia Track which travels from Picton, which is right where the ferry for the North and South Island is, goes from Picton out to this very secluded bay. And the only way you can get to the bay is by hiking in or by Mm. um, boating Mm. in. And so we chose this um, Matahotarangi, I think, mountain, is right where this bay is. And so we did an 18-mile hike out there. Not all in one day. We did it all in one day. Really? Oh, forgive me. 18K. An okay. 18 kilometer, <laughs> pardon me. That's a little bit less. Still a lot. Way different. It is. It Still was a lot. lot. Yeah. Uh, and we hiked out there and you get to this, not a resort, but like, um, 
it's just a home and it's a place that they have this beautiful view and they would take in travelers. It wasn't a hostel exactly, but kind of had that feel. Mm -hmm. But they're so isolated out there that, you know, you kind of wonder, what are they going to feed us? Mm -hmm. And they had when we arrived and it was raining. So we're hiking in the rain. When we arrived, they had their own home brewed IPA and a, a cauliflower uh, chickpea curry on wow. the stove. <laughs> and when you say that, it's one of my favorite meals of all time wow. was this really beautiful curry and an IPA right. sitting, you know, outside on the porch watching and it rain over the ready bed. ready for that. I wanted something hot and I wanted something <laughs> alcohol based yeah. and it was just perfect. So awesome. a great memory, Jamie. There you go. And you'll come with us the next time we go out there. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a great place. Count us in. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for taking over and stewarding that, that um, piece of land we all really appreciate it and uh, we, we still haven't really had a grand opening yet um, you haven't and we may well, have that shortly yeah um, a special we have a special uh, thing about to happen uh, mm-hmm. Colleen Ganos is painting our uh, sign for the farm it's a beautiful mural who did the murals out at Avila yeah. The, correct yeah okay yes Colleen is uh, she's she's the bass player in our band also. Oh, that's way. awesome. Yeah. So um, we'll have that shortly. Okay. And on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the band's going to come and play Fun. Uh, in the pole barn. So we'll have a little kind of... A little Maybe something. a little two o'clockish little thing well, keep with some fun. Posted. So. Keep me posted so I can share that with other people. Yeah, that sh- that will either be a little bit before Thanksgiving or a little bit after Thanksgiving, all right. depending. Okay. Well, I wish you all the best, and I hope to see you down there real soon. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Thanks. Jamie. Thanks for inviting us today. Of course. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast, which is now in its fifteenth season to believe if you have suggestions for guests questions or comments about the show please contact me via my website letsgetconsumed.com while you're there sign up for the newsletter buy a little consumed pin or download live episodes on instagram i'm at consumed.podcast consumed is produced by me jamie lewis and edited by chris lambert until next time thank you for listening